Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. I want to turn your attention to just one verse this morning, reflect on one verse this morning, and that is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That was the Apostle Paul's philosophy of life, and uh, that was why he had hope in death. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, there's a danger uh, for the preacher in preaching a message like this, especially a preacher uh, like me, and it's to preach as if uh, I'm on the same spiritual plane as the Apostle Paul here. Um, when I first began preaching a number of years ago, after preaching a really fervent sermon, and I was very fervent in my preaching of it, I've been preaching a number of, of maybe months uh, at this time, one of my friends came up afterwards and uh, he said, you're really becoming a good preacher. And uh, he said, you're making us all feel guilty. And, and actually, he meant that, I think, as a compliment. Because he thought, well, that's the job of the preacher. It's to make the congregation feel guilty. And um, the way that I, I, I think I was preaching was that... Um, I was making them feel guilty for not having attained a certain level of fervor and spiritual commitment. And it was coming across as if I had attained that, you see. And that I was somehow separate from them, that I had arrived. And uh, so that was a good lesson for me, and I have to remind myself of that. There's a danger in preaching, especially when you get to words like this, where Paul says... It's no longer, well, he says here, he says, my life is about Christ, and I have hope after this life that I will gain Christ, and that's what I'm living for. There's a danger in suggesting that, that I'm, I'm at this level. Uh, there are other things than Christ that compete for my affection. There are idols in my heart, too, that I have to repent of. And so, when you hear Paul say this, and then you read about how he lived it out, and you think, wow, he is on such a different plane, he's at a different level, well, I, I want to say I'm with you. But by the grace of God, we can all grow, we can all grow in this, and say with Paul, to live as Christ, to live as Christ. Let's look at this, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul is saying that the meaning of my life is Christ. That the reason I'm living is Christ. That the purpose of my life is Christ. To glorify Him. Now, why is that? Why is Christ so central to Paul's life? Well, in chapter 3 of Philippians, he says that through Christ, he is righteous in God's eyes. Through Christ, 
he has gained a righteousness, a perfect righteousness in the eyes of God. So he says in chapter 3, verse 9, uh, that he is found in Christ. Here it is, not having a righteousness of my own, but a, right, uh, uh, but a righteousness apart from the law, that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God through faith. And we can all say that. Every genuine Christian can say this, that through Christ I have a righteousness that makes me perfect in the eyes of God. That because of Christ I can step off the exhausting, endless treadmill of trying to impress God and I can rest in Christ and His perfect righteousness so that I can have peace with God now and forever. It's ours by faith. In the parable that Nancy read, Jesus teaches us that God's saving grace is not tied to our work. The last worker received the wages of the first worker. God is generous with His grace. The Christian message is not work harder, but trust in what God has done for you. Trust in the work of Christ. So, Christ gave Paul a perfect righteousness. And that's why he says, now I'm going to live for the one who did that for me. My life is about him. And Paul discovered in Christ a perfect love. Perfect righteousness from God and the perfect love of God. Galatians 2, he says, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's no longer I who live. So there it is again, his philosophy of life. I'm not living for myself, but I'm living for Christ. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Why, Paul? Why are you doing that? Why are you giving your life to Christ? He goes on to say, the one who loved me, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So he discovered the perfect love of God through Christ. The sacrificial love of God on the cross. And he said, I'm going to live for him. How do you know that God loves you? You're probably tired of me saying this, but I'll keep saying it. How do I know that God loves me? I look to the cross of Christ. There is the love of God, the sacrificial love of God. And Paul was gripped by that. And so this is true of every Christian. How do I know this? God's love, the cross of Christ. And God's love is a perfect love. I mean, even the best human relationships, the best friendships, the, the best marriages, they're tainted, aren't they? They're not a pure and perfect and self-giving love. They're not perfectly self-giving. There's, there's a taint of sin. There's a taint of selfishness in it. But not God. God's love is perfect. God is completely self-giving. He doesn't require anything from us to complete anything in Him. It is just abundant grace. It's pure, His love and His grace. And Paul discovered that through Christ. And it changed his life. And that's why Paul says, I, I'm now living for this one who gave me a perfect righteousness before God and a perfect love. And so, that's why he's working so fervently 
for Christ. He's writing here at the end of his life. He says, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ. That is better, but God still has some work for me to do here. And so I am here to work for you. I am here to labor for you. God still has fruitful work, he says. And so I shall remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith. And, and that's what happened. Many scholars believe that after Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, he was released from prison and he had a couple more years of fruitful labor until he was imprisoned again and eventually he was martyred in Rome. And so uh, by the, the work of God and the grace of God and the prayers of the people, Paul did have a couple more years of fruitful ministry. But, but Christ filled his life, filled his work, filled his time, filled his relationships. Everything centered on Christ. It was imbued with meaning because it was in reference to Christ. His life was about serving Christ who had given him this perfect righteousness, this perfect love, and serving others in the name of Christ. And although Paul had a unique calling, of course, he was an apostle. He was commissioned by the risen Christ. He was inspired by the Spirit of God to write Holy Scripture. He's unique in his calling in the particulars. But this idea of serving Christ and serving others is universal for every Christian. No matter where God has called us, no matter what stage of life or station we're in, we're called to serve Christ and to serve others in His name. And that gives us great meaning. You know, a lot of people today are suffering from meaninglessness in our culture. Young people, old people. I've talked about it before. The rates of depression and anxiety and suicide. A lot of this can be traced back. There are many factors but one is a sense of what is the meaning of life. And we are given the meaning of life in Christ. There's a story about an astronaut who was, who was marooned in space. He was left in space. What a terrible thing to think about. He was left alone on this rock floating in space. And he had with him two vials. Uh, and one vial was a poison that would kill him practically instantly, this vial. And another vial was a potion that would allow him to live forever. And so he's there lost in space and he's contemplating, here he is alone, he'll never have any connection with any human being ever again. And so uh, he makes the difficult decision to take the poison that would end his life instantly. And so he takes this vial, he drinks it down, but then to his horror, he discovers he got the vials mixed up. And he was doomed to live forever on this rock in a meaningless kind of existence. And the, and the point of this story, it's a science fiction story, is, is to make the point that it's not enough just to exist it's not enough just to exist biologically. We are made for meaning. We crave meaning. And Christ gives us this. Ultimate meaning. Ultimate purpose. In all realms of life. Have you discovered that? Are you seeking to grow in that? 
serving Christ wherever Christ has called you, in your family, in your work, in your school, among your friends. It gives great meaning. To live is Christ. And then he asserts, to die is gain. To die is gain. Uh, what a countercultural thing to say. To die is an advantage, he says. To die is actually a benefit. He is totally swimming here against the current, isn't he? Because the natural, normal way of looking at things is death is to be avoided at all costs. And, and so when people are battling against a, a terrible illness, we, we applaud them for fighting. You know, for, for fighting the disease, for fighting against death, to, to battle to the very, very end, to hang on to life. Because life is precious. Life is a great gift. But Paul is saying there's something greater. There's a greater treasure than life in this world. And that is Christ. Being with Christ. To die is gain. He says, well, why does he say that? Because later on, verse 23 I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. It's gain because, for the Christian, death is an entryway to be with Christ in a way that we don't experience in this life. No, Christ is with us now. We are with Christ now. Christ is here, even here, by His Spirit, in this very place, in this very room. Christ is present By His Word and in His sacraments, He comes to us. Christ is not absent from His people. He's here. And sometimes it's wonderful when, by the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit is in us, we can sense the Spirit of Christ among us and in us and among His people. That is a wonderful thing. That is a foretaste of heaven. Christ is not absent from us. But we're not with Him now and He is not with us now like he will be then after this life first corinthians 13:12 paul says in this familiar verse for now we see through a glass darkly but then we'll see face to face now i know in part but then shall i be fully known then shall i know fully even as i am fully known So Paul, nearing the end of his life, he's looking forward to that day. He's looking forward to being with Christ. Being with Christ at the very moment of his death, to be absent from the body, is to be with Christ. And and Paul looks forward to even a greater day in 1 Corinthians 15 when he talks about the resurrection of the body. So when we die, we go to be with Christ. And then on the last day, Christ returns. And there, there's a resurrection of the body. Some will go to be with Christ. Some who have refused Christ will be absent from Christ and the presence of Christ. But those who are in Christ, their body will be raised, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. The body that is sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. And then he says, O death, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? Somebody said, for the the Christian, death is like a bee and the stinger has been removed. And it can be frightening and you can feel it and it's on you and that's scary, but it's ultimately not going to harm you. The stinger of death has been removed. And so death is an entryway to be with Christ. 
Friends, the challenge for us, for me, is, is this, that we live in a culture, don't we, that the messages in our movies, in our media, in advertisement, the message that we hear over and over again is, this life is all there is. And so you better gobble up as much pleasure as you can. Spend as much money as you can. Fill that bucket list up or you're going to mess out. YOLO, the kids say, you only live once. I say, when they say that, you only live forever. So where are you going to live? And that's the, that's the message that, that the culture preaches to us. Over and over again. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. So we need to hear God's word so that we will be spiritually prepared. This life is not all there is. And in fact, for the believer, better things to come. Greater things to come. Christ, experiencing Christ in his presence in a way we've only gained a foretaste of now. And so that's why Paul says, here's my philosophy of life, living for Christ now, glorifying Christ now, serving him now, and then after this life it gets even better. Gain is being with Christ. Even being able, as he did, to suffer for Christ in this life. Even the suffering has meaning for, Christ, for, for Paul and for Christians. It's a way to glorify Christ in the midst of suffering. It's a way that God calls us to greater dependence on Him. Everything is imbued with meaning if Christ is at the center, even suffering. I remember when my grandmother was nearing the end of her life, and she died in her early 90s um, of a stroke, kind of a series of strokes at the end. And my grandmother, um, she, does, she didn't have a college degree. She didn't even finish high school. Um, she was a farmer's wife and uh, didn't make a whole lot of money, but she was one of these salt-of-the-earth kind of people who had a deep faith and spent a lot of her life quietly caring for other people and glorifying Christ in quiet ways. And um, at the end of her life, I saw her with, uh, my three girls were with me um, and we went to the nursing home and she had lost some speech ability to, to speak clearly but I was talking to her and uh, my aunt was there her daughter was there tending to her and uh, brought the girls in and she remembered all of them her, her mind was still sharp thank God and she was able to talk to each of them knew them by name she prayed for them regularly so she, she knew the children and was talking a little bit about them and then she said something and I, I didn't quite uh, make out what she said and my aunt said she's saying she wants to go home and I foolishly thought she meant going back to her apartment I'm like well I, I I hope you can get back there I can't hope you can get get home and I you know that was a foolish thing to say because it was obviously at the end and my aunt said no she's talking about going home She's ready to go home to be with Christ. And uh, here was a lady who, again, 
from the standard of the world, wasn't very educated. Didn't have a whole lot that the world says you need to have to be a success. But she had something that education and money can't buy. She had peace at the end. She knew where she was going. She was ready. She was ready. We ought always to be ready to meet Christ. There ought to be this sense that after this life, there's something better to come. And that is Christ being in his presence, being with his people. And so that's the the philosophy of Paul. Paul's philosophy to live as Christ, his hope in death, to die as gain. He, He believed these things so fervently. He lived these things out so faithfully. Maybe, like me, you might be thinking, well, I... The seeds are there, but I don't have the the fruit that Paul had. I don't have the fervor. I can't match his faith. Let me just encourage you with a couple things in conclusion here. A couple other things that Paul wrote in this beautiful letter that encouraged me. Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you. We're all works in progress. We're all works in progress, and God does not give up on the work he begun. Another one that's encouraging, Philippians 3.12. Here's the great saint, the great apostle, saying, I am not already perfect. I have not attained all this, but one thing I do, I press on. I press on to the prize which God has called me in Christ Jesus, to lay hold of what Jesus has for me. I'm not perfect. So even with this great faith, Paul uh, says, I'm not perfect, but by the grace of God, I can grow. And so that's true for you and that's true for me. I hope that encourages you as you seek to live for Christ and have this hope of being with him forever. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for uh, each person here that uh, we would hear the words of the Apostle Paul, that words that were inspired by your Spirit, and they would grip our hearts. It starts with knowing who Christ is and trusting in Christ that he is our righteousness and trusting that through him we can know the love of God now and forever. I pray if there's anyone here who's, who's not put their faith in Christ in that way, that they would do that today, even today, Lord. This is how we prepare to meet you, to trust in Christ, the one you've given to us for our salvation. I pray for all of us that we would grow in living our life for him, to his glory, in service to others, in his name, and in the hope of eternal life. I pray it in Christ's holy name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Would you please?